Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for tuning in. I hope for those of you who are regular listeners that you are gaining a lot of really good information from the the eclectic group of people we have had on the show recently. It's been a lot of fun. The numbers are up of the number of people who are listening to the show, so thank you very much for telling your friends. If you like the show, jump over to iTunes and leave a review because it just makes my day brighter when someone leaves a review saying, hey, cool things entrepreneurs do is good for whatever reason you want to say. Uh, that's a good thing. Also, we're trying to jumpstart the Potential Mastermind Project, which I talk about all the time. It's the, the group coaching program that we put together a little over a year ago. It is still going strong. We've added a couple of new people. And if you want to close out this year with a little bit more motivation and maybe some people to help hold you accountable, this is a really affordable program. Everybody always tells me, you don't charge enough for it. Well, I don't charge enough for it because I wouldn't have wanted to pay more for this when I was in the shoes of trying to start my business. But we have a really eclectic group of people. We have people from law, people from government, people from uh, who work for universities, people in PR. We have a really neat group. And if you're looking for somebody to hold you accountable where you can talk about what you're trying to achieve in your business, the Potential Mastermind Project is for you. Check it out at PotentialMastermind.com. So today we are up to episode number 275. I can't believe we're closing in on that magical number of 300, especially because when I started this, I thought I was going to do 50 episodes and then shut her down. And now we are closing in on 300, and I don't think I'm going to stop anytime soon. It has been a great tool for me to be able to interview so many entrepreneurs. And what I'm starting to do now is have some of the ones back who really had a really positive impact on the show. So Danny O'Connell, who is in the insurance business and financial services, Danny was on episode 181. And in the past year, about since he was on the show, that's almost 100 episodes ago, he has gone and changed what he was doing. He had spent 10 years working for another agency, although when you're in the insurance business, you sort of eat what you kill. So you are an entrepreneur, even if you're working for, for somebody. But about a year ago, he decided he would go out and start his own agency, Next Level Insurance Agency, and he is going strong. But I'm sure that lots of things change when you go from working for somebody else to having your own shop. And so I thought, you know, it would be a great time to have Danny back on the show, find out a little bit about when an entrepreneur makes a pivot, what are some of the good, the bad, and the ugly that they encounter? So Danny O'Connell, thank you so much for being a guest again on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much, Tom, and congratulations to you. That is a huge accomplishment. We love listening to your podcast. So yeah, well, thank you for keeping it going. Thank you, and I know you've told uh, some other people about it. In fact, the previous guest, episode 274, Jim Sabernagel, was a friend of yours who you introduced me to. Funny story for the listeners. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C. at a conference where I was one of the speakers and sort of table facilitators, and I went for a run one morning out around the lake that was – or the river that was right there in Washington, D.C. We were out at the Gaylord over by Arlington, and I went out for – or. Uh, and I went out for a run across the bridge, and I posted a picture on, I guess, Facebook or Instagram. And about 10 minutes later, I get a message from Danny that says, 
are you staying at the Gaylord? He was there for another conference. He was there for a NAFA event that was taking place at the same hotel. And so we met and had breakfast, and he introduced me to Jim, who I just had on the show uh, a couple of days ago. So you never know when you're going to run into to people who you know through, you know, uh, who you keep in touch with via social media. So that was kind of fun, and I appreciate getting to have breakfast with you. But also thanks for that introduction to Jim because that if you want to check out a great episode, go listen to 274 because that's a good one. So, Danny. So you have made some changes since you were last here on the show. That's correct. Made some big life changes. So tell me, what sort of what, what sort of led to this? What brought you to launching out on your own? And then what has been that good, bad, and ugly of, of starting your own agency? Yeah, so I think anyone who has success in this industry uh, over a sustained period of time really starts to ask themselves that question, you know, what would – my life look like, what would I do differently um, if I was in charge and I was running the show? And I was actually in kind of a family agency with my father-in-law at the time and just saw where things were headed. And I had um, some ideas about things that I wanted to do and really go after and develop into the future. And I saw that the business wasn't heading in that direction. And that's what really led to me to make this jump. And it has been amazing. Uh, just, you know, I get to work with great people every day. I get to follow my passion. And a large part of what I do is employee benefits and health insurance for companies. And, you know, we love coming up with our creative solutions that can save companies and individuals meaningful amounts of money on their benefits, sometimes 20 to 40 percent even. So. Right now, I mean, that's kind of a hot topic going on with everything that's happening in Washington and everything else for companies to, to have, you know, the right benefits package for their people. But it's scary and it's expensive and it's hard to figure out. And so, you know, you've launched out to do this on your own. What, is, what have been some of the good things that have come from going off and having your own agency? You know, there's a lot of things. Um, I've been very fortunate in the staff that I've been able to hire and bring in and and I really look at it that I'm supporting them. And I think in our company, we try very hard to have a focus on the individual and supporting, you know, the team as a whole and next level instead of just the employees there to support the owner or the producer. And for me, that's brought a lot of very personal, you know, fulfillment. And it's just given me a fresher outlook and perspective on everything. So that's been great. Um, obviously having the ability to go and chase the things that you're passionate about and go off into new ventures and new areas that previously, you know, you just didn't have the time or the energy to do. That's exciting. And, you know, building something and, and seeing it thrive and continue to move in the right direction. Um, it, it's just been a tremendous opportunity. It's been a great first year. So if somebody if somebody is working for a company and they want to go found their own, you know, venture, whether it's in the same business they work for or something else, what are some of the things that they really need to have in place? I'm sure that, you know, for you and for your wife, this had to be a really big decision. What are some of the things you need to have in place before you sort of jump out and open your own, hang out your own shingle? Yeah, number one, do your research, do your homework, you know, find out if you have a non-compete agreement or not. Fortunately, I did not, um, you know go out and, and work with a consultant to find out, okay, you know, what are my expected operating costs? You want to have a very good idea of what that first year, 
you know, and then through year three and year five is going to look like, not just from a process standpoint, but also financially. And I love numbers. I'm a numbers guy. So, um, you know, I love to sit there and play in a spreadsheet and forecast and come up with different, you know, scenarios. So I would say definitely do your homework ahead of time, you know, work with a consultant or somebody who has helped other firms in your field and be sure that you're trying to map things out as good as you can for that, that one, three and five year plan. So you and your wife have, is it three or four kids? You have four. That's a lot of kids. That is a lot of kids. So, and they're all young and they're all in activities and things like that. So for somebody who jumps out and, and sort of opens their own shop, what are some of the things that you have to do, you know, to make sure that you're not sort of abandoning the family, if you will? Yeah. So very good point. Um, you know, you want to be sure that you have scheduled time for the family, even if that's, you know, family dinner night, family game night, you have some sort of schedule where you're able to make some activities. Ironically for me, uh, the schedule that I was working, going out on my own, um, I actually am now able to spend more time with my family. And I would say that's not the case for most people, but that has been another reward for me is actually being able to be a part of their lives more often than what I was before. Well, and that's one of the reasons that we have our own businesses is we want to be able to make our own choices. And I mean, that's one of, one of the perks. So if you're able to, to make that type of a move and be able to have that benefit, that's, that's a whole win-win. But you sort of paint you know, a, a picture of everything being fluffy and rosy. There has to have been some parts of this transition that, that didn't go so well. What are some of the parts that make up that, you know, when we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, what, what are the bad and the ugly parts that you face this year? Sure. So, you know, uh, there's obviously a lot of stress because you want to be sure, okay, you always have payroll covered and everything coming through. Uh, Technology can definitely be part of the ugly. When it's working great, you're blowing and going. But when it goes down, you know, everybody in the organization is looking to you, okay, what do we need to do? How are we going to problem solve this? How are we going to get this fixed? And if there are hiccups or delays, uh, that can hurt your business and hurt your people. So, you know, when technology goes wrong or processes don't work the right way, uh, that's obviously a really big headache. You know, going out and finding the right people. I think any more you hear, especially in smaller companies, even culture is becoming a bigger and bigger issue. And you want to be sure that you're finding people that fit in your culture. And a lot of times you don't know that until somebody is on the team for a while. And, you know, we talk about that even with MBRT and and other associations of, you know, somebody's not a good fit for your culture and you continue to keep them. You're only hurting them because you're keeping them in a bad situation, but then you're also hurting your team. So that would be another big piece of it. Um, in our industry, I'm very fortunate that I've been, I was doing it for 10 years. So I had a lot of great relationships and I had people who wanted to do business with us, but for most entrepreneurs going out, you know, the general public may not know their story and they may not know about their product or what they do. And a lot of people, you know, it's very challenging getting in front of the people that they want to get in front of. So that brings up an interesting point because you had been doing the business for 10 years, but, but how do you communicate to your clients when you make a move like you did? You know, it's kind of funny. The biggest thing um, was through social media and a lot of people in our business, our industry and profession shy away from social media because they have compliance departments and all these things that really monitor and look at what you say. And on my social media for our agency and personally, 
especially on things like Facebook uh, and Twitter and places like that, I don't talk about products or life insurance or things that people don't really want to read about. <laughs> you know, we try to highlight our clients and what they're doing and giving back in the community and being a part of the community and just, you know, more whimsical, upbeat, funny things. And so it was kind of funny. I remember hitting that post button. It was huge because then it was real. And I was going out there to the world and telling them, hey, look, you know, I'm out here and I'm doing this. And because of social media, I had been in contact with, you know, most of my clients, they were friends or they had become friends over that period of time. And we were connected. So that was tremendous for me when I started my agency. So you bring up another interesting point, and that is, you know, you you have relationships with your clients. Obviously, when you're in the insurance business, life insurance or, or, or employee benefits business, it is a relationship sale. I mean, it is without question. I do a lot of work in the insurance industry, and it is a business that is based on relationships. But you do an ex- an extremely good job of really building relationships with people. You and I met at a conference where I was one of the speakers and, you know, we became fast friends and we've kept in touch over the last couple of years. And, you know, you've referred me to another piece of business and actually I needed life insurance and you were my agent. You took care of that for me. How, how do you do that when you're a small business person and you have a growing family of four and you're making a transition, you know, leaving one business and starting another? How in the world do you make that a priority to have those relationships the way you do? Well, one, having four kids makes you a highly motivated salesperson. So. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you're, you're, you're right now only worried about feeding them. You don't know the big secret that I've learned. College is more expensive than they tell you. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. And uh, my wife wasn't too fond of when I told them they're just all going to go to one online school with one <laughs> username or password and print the diploma four times. So they can just share, they can just share the online diploma. What the heck? Exactly. Um, so, you know, one of the things it's, it's being genuine about what you do. It's being passionate about what you do. It's, it's taking an interest in the people in your lives and your clients and your relationships and being sincere. And you look, you know, so many people come in and I'm sure I've been guilty of it over the years too, of just coming in and saying, this is what you need to do. And this is, you know, why, and I've been doing a long time and just trust me without really getting to know that person or understanding their needs and and how you can best uh, meet those. And, you know, sometimes no just means not right now. And it's developing that relationship. And, you know, there's nothing like, it's really hard to replace that personal relationship. And again, I use social media with people stay in front of them and I call it soft touches. So, you know, I can see that you're running around Austin or you just completed a four mile run in Philadelphia (laughs) and, you know, and can follow you in all your success and your speaking engagements. And, you know, hopefully you see some of mine and we, we stay in front of each other, even though we're half a continent apart. Well, and the, I mean, the social media thing, I love the fact that, you know, we were staying at the same hotel. Now, if you're familiar with the Gaylord chain, they're giant hotels. And there were, I think, four conferences going on. All of them, you know, yours wasn't extravagantly large, but the other three were hundreds and hundreds of people. And, 
it's easy that you could stay in the same hotel as a friend and never cross paths. There are four elevator banks and, you know, people are having meals at different times and with, you know, their their closed sessions and things like that. So, you know, the fact that you're able to see that I went for a run along the river and then said, hey, meet me for breakfast. I mean, that is one of the huge advantages of social media. But I don't think a lot of people really take advantage of it. What What caused you to early on realize that this is a way to cultivate relationships as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I have a process and I talk a lot about this in our profession. You know, the first time that I meet with someone, I'm going to try to connect with them through LinkedIn before the meeting or simply after. That way they can get a better understanding of my background, what I've done, what I've accomplished. I've used social media uh, to really highlight a lot of articles and pieces that I've written. Um, I've had over well, probably 29 or 30 different articles I've written be published across the country. And by using my LinkedIn, my social media, I can use that as one source of reference so people can go see that. And then as our relationship really starts to progress, and it's different with everybody, right? But on a normal person that you don't know, you start going and having more and more conversations and the comfort level gets there. And, you know, I'll probably reach out and connect with somebody on Facebook and maybe that's after they become a client or maybe it's a little bit before. And I love that because you get to see the personal side of the other person, what their interests are, their hobbies. So you're not necessarily just walking into Tom's office and saying, oh, Tom, there's a picture of a putting green. You must be a big golfer and go off on some golfing tangent when it was a gift from Tom's brother-in-law and Tom can't stand it. But Tom has it on his wall just in case the brother-in-law ever comes in and says, oh, yeah, I love it. Right? <laughs> well, so you do so many things that you know a lot of entrepreneurs neglect, and I think that's one of the reasons a lot of them just sort of get stuck where they are. Another one you just brought up was you know you've written twenty nine or thirty articles that have been published you know in your industry publications and beyond around the country. So let's talk a little bit about that. What what is what are the what's the motivation behind writing? And also, I know you speak within your industry and within your community a lot. Why is writing and speaking beneficial to your business? Sure. So writing for me was very therapeutic and I would watch the news and the media and these people would say things, oh, if we only knew this or that, or a lot of times uh, people were misinformed. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where you can take numbers and make them say any story you want to really. Uh, but I really dedicated my career to solving this issue, the Affordable Care Act for employers. And so for me, it was a healthy outlet. I was able to write, talk about it. It was unbelievable the places that it got picked up. I mean, I had no idea. Places from treehugger.com to CBS Money Watch. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny, amazing. That's, that, uh, that's quite a swath of publications. <laughs> yeah, and one of them was even a Dungeons and Dragons board because I was writing about student health plans and most uh, – most of their audience were students and people going to college. And I was like, you know, I never thought about that, but <laughs> it's one of those things you just don't think about. And so I use that and I use it really as credibility. So when people go and, and looked at my LinkedIn, that was instant credibility. Okay, this person knows what he's talking about. Uh, and the same thing with going and speaking. Uh, I use that to build credibility with clients and prospects, but one of the things that I, I've always tried to do is pay it forward. And I'm happy to share with anybody in my industry what I'm doing because if you could take it and do 
implement it and deploy it and utilize it better than I can, then good for you. Shame on me. But a lot of times I'm sharing things that I've done and I'm already, you know, moving on to the next thing and continuously evolving. And, and I think all of us as entrepreneurs and individuals, you have to be aware of that and you have to say, OK, just because this is the way I've always done it and it worked for me, you know, don't be afraid to try something new. So one of the things that I have sort of always admired about you since we first met is your involvement with both the associations in your industry and within your and within your community. And that's one of the things I've always taught people is, you know, it's it's a lot of it is is it's about getting involved, it's about giving back, but that's one of the ways that we build relationships. And you've given a lot of time and effort to both Million Dollar Roundtable and to NAFA and to uh, several other organizations that you're involved with around the, the Dallas area. What are some of the reasons that you've gotten involved with these different organizations? And what's the benefit to an entrepreneur for donating their time the way you do? Sure. So like anything in life, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Um, NAFA and that association, largely for me, you know, it's been advocacy. It's protecting our profession, but it's also protecting, uh, you know, American household families and the products that they buy and that they want. And, and it's really looking out for the best interest of, of the American public. And for me, I've met, uh, you know, a lot of great people all over the country. I've actually spoken internationally with NAFA and, and MBRT as well. As an entrepreneur joining your association, you're going to get ideas. You're going to find out resources, even if it's just, okay, well, who's the best CRM or database tool that everybody's using? You know, does our association offer discounts for that? Uh, does our association offer discounts at vendors and suppliers that I need to utilize? Keeping educated on what's going on within your industry and really being sure that your industry is continuing to thrive grow, develop, and address your clients' needs. And that's been a big part about NAFA, MBRT, Million Dollar Roundtable, different organization. It's based on production, and you have to qualify every year. It's an international association. Uh, the meetings have grown to now where there are over 10,000 attendees. And they also have a smaller, more intimate meeting called Top of the Table, and that's where we had you. Yeah, I was, I was one of the speakers and the Master of Ceremonies. Gosh, was that two years ago, I guess, a year and a half ago, something like that? Yeah. You did an incredible job, too. And that group, you know, there's only about 300 advisors from around the world, and that's the highest level of production within the association, uh, Million Dollar Roundtable. And one of the great things, that is really just sales ideas. And people there are all already successful. So you're not necessarily going to completely change what you're doing, but you can certainly adopt and adapt little things here or there into what you're doing to help broaden your practice uh, and be a better advisor for people. There's just great people in our associations, and I would say that that's probably true of most professional associations. Well, and it is, and I, if you listen to the show regularly, and I know that you do, it's one of the things I say all the time is if I was a plumber, I'd be a member of the National Plumbers Association, or if I was a locksmith, I'd be a member of the National Locksmiths Association, and I give a lot of my time and my effort to the National Speakers Association. But I find it interesting because people in all industries, and to be honest with you, a lot of people in your industry who I meet or who maybe I do some coaching with or who see me speak at a conference will talk about this, and they'll be like, yeah, I don't, I don't go to those things because 
because that's where my com- you know my competitors are there. I don't network with my competitors. I only want to go where there's people I can sell to. And it's like I get this picture that people are you know looking around for who has a pork chop around their neck, and they're a wolf who hasn't eaten in a month, and they're like, and they just want to pounce on them. But the reality is, is you spend a lot of time with other people who sell life insurance, who sell benefits. What do you get from really the the, the friendships that you've developed with these people who outsiders might say are your competitors? Yeah, you know, personally, it's meeting great people. And I may take a little something here or there from them. Professionally, I work with a lot of other agents. And, you know, just like anybody else in probably any other industry, a lot of people have that hesitation to work with somebody who could do what they do. Uh, But in our field, in our profession, you can really only specialize in two, maybe three things. And I'm looking for those advisors to say, you know what? I'm, I do estate planning or I'm going to specialize in this part of our profession. And I realize that I don't know enough about the employee benefits uh, to really do a good job. But I've got a great relationship with this person who owns a business. And I want to bring in somebody who I know is a professional, who I know is an expert. And, you know, let's go help my client and my contact. And so I work with client, you know, with other agents, really, from just about any other company that you could think of. And and those are the people that I want to work with that, you know, respect what we do and how we do it, just as I respect them for what they do. So I think in, you know, in the world we live in and then in what's going on with benefits and with health insurance and and everything else, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are, are nervous. They're scared. You know, I mean, obviously going out on your own, suddenly you have to provide your own health insurance. I know that's been a huge problem for me. Uh, my wife and I both work for ourselves, so the cost of you know what we pay to insure us is ridiculous, and then what they cover seems to be less and less. They seem to deny everything uh, that, that's going on. And I know you can't give out professional advice, but if an entrepreneur is listening to this and the idea of benefits or even life insurance scares them, what advice do you have for them? You know, if they're going to venture out on their own, they have they have to face these things. What what advice do you have for them to to sort of make sure they're taking care of themselves? Sure. So a couple of my favorite quotes are, um, I don't mind offering them, but I, I don't want to pay for them. Um, I have yet to find anybody who wants to pay for benefits. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if you want to offer it, somebody certainly has to. And then the other common phrase is, I don't believe in life insurance or I don't believe in something. And uh, it does exist. It is a thing. You do get a policy even in paper. So, uh, you know, it is out there. But I think from a business standpoint, an entrepreneur, it's just understanding what it accomplishes and what you're trying to do. So, okay, I can't afford to offer employee benefits right now, but I've got a partner and that partner is really important in my business. If that partner, something was to happen to them, that would really hurt what we're doing. So, okay, potentially a key person life insurance policy might transfer that risk and you know, you can move that risk of losing that person or at least some of the economic impact into a policy. And you can quantify that with a dollar amount and say, OK, well, I can, you know, if this person were to die or something happened to them, they would mean two million dollars to my business. Well, for, you know, one hundred dollars a month or whatever dollar amount that is, I can cover that potential liability and that, you know, that landmine that's sitting out there and give myself some peace of mind. With the employee benefits, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, just misunderstanding around what employers have to pay. And most 
you know, employers, you don't have to pay 100% of the benefits. There's a lot of cost sharing going on now. And when you look at the changes in the individual market, it makes having a group policy really all that much more important. And so we come in and we get pretty creative with what we do. I had a doctor you know, the other day that said, well, I, I, I want to offer them, but I don't want to pay for them. We said, well, you know, you really need to do this, but we can offer different plans. And we got it down to where um, her cost per month was a little bit over $100, maybe $110 per employee. But then when we actually looked at the tax savings, uh, and there were a couple of different tax savings that she could get, that any employer could get, it got her cost, her net cost down to $37 an employee. Wow. And I just bring that up because, you know, if you're not working with a really skilled or knowledgeable person or agent, and this is true of any profession, you know, when people are just doing research or looking things up, they're not going to understand all the benefits necessarily and, and what, you know, how offering, you know, or, or doing benefits or life insurance can really have a true meaningful impact to their organization and the quality of people that they can attract, um, retain, and really keeping the business going through rough times potentially. Well, and, and my belief, you know, I still have, you know, a wife and children that I'm, you know, responsible for. And so I, I carry life insurance and I hope to God it's the biggest waste of money I've ever had. I hope there comes a day where I walk away from it and say, well, that was stupid. I spent a ton of money. But the flip side of it is I know what would happen if I get hit by a bus and that would be a disaster. So I have to be able to make sure that everybody's covered. I mean, I, I, I really believe that, you know, if, if you're an entrepreneur and, and everybody's relying on your income, you know, if you're not taking some sort of steps on that way, yeah, it might be a waste of money if you live a nice long life. But if you don't, you know, what is the, what is the downside of that? So I'm a real big believer in in having you know that covered, and that's one of the things that you helped me put together was I needed a, a new fresh policy because when they get older, they just want to charge you more. And I turned fifty, and my policy became unaffordable, and that's why I worked with you is you helped me find something that was a little bit more uh, easy to swallow and still take care of people if I if I, that bus comes down the street the wrong way. Yeah, and what you you know what you're talking about is the normal American experience. You know, you go out and you buy a term policy for coverage because it's the least expensive. You need to cover something for a period of time. But a big part of our business is you get a business owner, somebody that took it out when they were 30, 35 years old, and now all of a sudden that's you know they're 60, 65. They have no other insurance because they got this big policy to take care of everything. But their their health has changed, and they had a heart attack, or they had cancer, and now they're uninsurable. And you can go in and convert, you know, all or even just part of that policy so that they know, okay, well, you know, I don't need $3 million anymore. My kids are out of college and all that, but I want to be sure that if I pass away, there's something to bury me, you know, cover a mortgage, just take care of my, my spouse or my family to a certain degree. And a lot of our business is that. And so just getting something when you're younger, healthier, you can get it much cheaper, and then as you get older, you don't have to keep the whole thing, but maybe you want to keep part of it. Right. Well, and I think the other piece of it is, is these are conversations that entrepreneurs need to be having, both with their family, with their business partners, and they should be having them with someone like you, right? That's correct. So if somebody is listening to this and they're like, yeah, I need to have these tough conversations, how do they find Danny O'Connell and the Next Level Agency? Yeah, so we have done everything really through social media, through Facebook, um, you know, next level insurance agencies there. It turned out there's a bunch of next level companies <laughs> out there, but um, our phone number is 469-329-0777. Again, that's 
329-0777. We have a staff here. If I'm not available, they will set a time for us to talk and meet. You know, we, we're very fortunate. We've got clients all over Texas and Dallas and Houston and Austin and Amarillo. And uh, we're actually licensed in eight different states. So we've got a pretty big footprint for a boutique agency. Awesome. And I assume if somebody's not in those eight states and they called you, you could refer them to somebody because I bet through your involvement in your industry, you know people in all the states. We, we absolutely could. I'd be happy to help or talk with anyone. Hey, before I let you go, I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought, brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool guests like Danny O'Connell. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Danny, once again, thank you so much for being a guest on episode 275. Can you believe that? No, it's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me back, especially with the new agency. It's exciting to get that out and really share that with everyone. So thank you and congratulations on your success, my friend. Well, my guess is we'll have you back in another year or two to hear all about all the bigger things that you're doing and where you take next level to the next level. So again, thanks for being a guest on the show. And thank you to everybody for tuning in and listening. I say it every week. If it wasn't for the listeners of the show, we wouldn't have a show. So come on back in a couple of days and see who else we're going to interview. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.